Welcome to our channel. As you take your time to listen to God's word today with us, we believe and pray that your faith will be strengthened up and we hope that this sermon will be a blessing to you as well as your family. Why? It's a simple question with no simple answers. Why now? Why this? Why me? Is God even here? Is he listening? How can we know? We've made it through dark times before, and I want to have faith, but I still wonder, why? We are starting this new series, Why? Why is the question that we all ask. Simple word, complex answers. It's not simple answers. Many people go through a lot of whys in your daily life. Why this? Why that? Right? Mommy and daddy, when they come back from work, they start with, why haven't you not done your homework, your routine? Why is this socks in the floor? Why is the shoes not put away? Why are you smiling, Kathy? <laughs> Why, 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 why? It's used routine, like in everyday life, you know, why, why, why? But then there are deeper whys that we ask in the depths of our heart and we make sure nobody hears it. Why am I going through this? Why did God allow this pain in my life? Why do I feel like nobody likes me? Why do I feel like the entire world is against me? And there are so many whys that you carry in the depth of your heart and you're unable to speak up about it. Many of you are afraid to ask your why to God because you think that when you ask those kind of questions to God, that God might go far away from you or God might neglect you or God might reject you. Some people, on the other hand, have asked too many whys about their lives that they have come to a conclusion that there is no God because nobody is answering my why. You find two extremes. But what if your why can actually bring you close to Jesus? What if you genuinely ask God and seek him and wait for his answer, your why can take you into a deeper faith with Jesus. The title that we are going to look at this morning is, Why Did God Allow It? Why Did God Allow It? You know, there's this thing that uh, we say in church, I don't know how many of you are familiar with this, God is good. And all the time, let's try that again. God is good. And all the time, all right, one more time. God is good. And all the time, have you ever asked this question, why did God allow it? How many of you asked this question, why did God allow this? Why did God allow this? Why did God allow this? Why did he take Corona away? Many of you answer, ask this question, right? God is good? Really? So why did you question him? God is good? All the time, right? And all the time? And why are you questioning him? It is so easy for us to respond to the nature of God from the head level, which is our knowledge. I say God is good and you all jump in all the time. That's what we are supposed to say. So your head immediately kicks in and triggers in to respond to the knowledge of who God is. But is your knowledge connected to your experience of who God is in your life? When I asked you, asked you another question in terms of your experience, 
Why did God allow this? And have you asked this question? Many of you have experienced pain and suffering in your life. And you have asked this question. Why did God allow this? Why did God take my father away? Why did God take my mother away? Why did God allow pain in my life? Why did God let me go through this suffering? Why did my friends reject me? Why did I lose that job? Why am I still having suicidal thoughts? Why is God allowing this? We all face questions about suffering. Every day you want to do good, you are trying hard and it's not making you happy. You look, you look across the world globally, children are starving, there's war, there's poverty, innocent are suffering and you keep asking this question, what is God doing? Why did God allow this? This is not a question that you just started. In fact, 300 years before the birth of Jesus, there was a Greek philosopher by the name Epicurus. Epicurus asked this question. If God is real, if God is real, why did God allow certain things to happen? And he came to three conclusions. He came to three conclusions. Conclusion number one. If God is not able to prevent evil, then he is not all-powerful. Conclusion number one. You understand? If God is not able to stop evil, then it means that God is not all-powerful. Conclusion number two. If God is not willing to prevent evil, then he is not all-good. That's conclusion number two, because we claim that God is not willing to prevent evil, and that is why there is suffering. So if God is not willing to prevent evil, then he is not all good. And the third conclusion is this. If God is both willing and able to prevent evil, then why does evil exist? then why does evil exist? If God is both willing and he's able to prevent evil, then why does evil exist? Why does bad things happen to good people? Why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow pain? If you are a Christian and if you know the word of God, I want you to pay close attention to me. If you're not a Christian, and if you have never read the Bible, I also would love for you to pay a closer attention to me because both streams of people are going to find answer from God's word this morning. Are you ready? Yes. Evil and suffering is not contrary to the story of the Bible. The moment we experience evil, the moment we experience suffering, we think that something that happened in contrary to the word of God. In fact, it's the other way around. Evil and suffering is central to every single story in the Bible. Evil and suffering is central to every single story in the Bible. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Christianity makes sense and gives meaning and offers solution for the evil and suffering that we experience. Let me say that again. Christianity makes sense of and gives meaning to and offers a solution for the evil and suffering we experience. See, Bible is the foundation for everything. Bible does not avoid everything. Bible does not avoid pain. It does not avoid evil. It does not avoid suffering. There is countless expressions in the Bible where people have gone through anguish. People have gone through confusion. People have gone through rage. People have gone through suffering and pain in their life. 
We all have heard of Prophet Jeremiah. What is his pet name? He's called the, the weeping prophet. He was wailing and crying, looking at the unrepented heart of people. He saw sin. He saw things around him. He saw the evil. He saw the suffering. And he was called the weeping prophet. He cried in anguish. David, many times in Psalms, he's a man after God's own heart. But he has cried to God saying, God, are you listening? But God calls him, he's a man after God's own heart. And yet David has cried out to God saying, God, are you there? God, are you listening? God, do you care? John the Baptist, his sole purpose in life was to talk about the hope that Jesus brings. But he was wrongly accused. He was wrongly arrested. And finally, he was beheaded. And in that moment when he was arrested and he was accused, even John the Baptist asked the same question. But it was phrased differently. He sent his friends, he sent his messengers to Jesus. Are you the one? Or is there anyone else coming? He preached with confidence about Jesus. He, his, entire, his birth was to preach about Jesus. His sole purpose in life every day, it was all about his cousin in his life. And he was committed to that. He kept saying, prepare the way, prepare the way, prepare the way. Because there is one who is coming. I am baptizing you, but the one who is coming is greater than me. That was his sole purpose of his life. And he did that with great confidence. He baptized hundreds of people. But when he was wrongly accused, when he was arrested, when he was about to be beheaded, when he was facing suffering and pain, Jesus' very own John the Baptist also questioned the purpose of his life. And he said, are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the one? I know many people sitting here today are asking this question. Are you the one, Lord? If you are the one, if you are the great I am, then why, Lord? Then why? I'm not talking about the young adults, single people walking around going, are you the one? <laughs> not that, are you the one? I know there's that also. Every day, are you the one? Oh no, that's a newspaper guy. Are you the one, you know, constantly searching and looking? But then there's the deeper cry as well. God, are you there? God, am I really called? God, can I make it? God, what if I lost everything in my business? What's next? God, will you be there? Are you the one who will continue to lead me? And it's subtly there on the inside. But when pain and suffering kicks in, it surfaces up. Even John the Baptist asked, are you the one? How many of you know Asaph in the Bible? Or in Tamil Bible, it's Asaph. Yes? You know Asaph? There are 12 Psalms that is attributed to Asaph. Asaph is a poet and a prophet. If you read a couple of Psalms, it says, right? And he was the leader of the choir in the tabernacle. In other words, he was a worship leader. Now, in Psalm 73, let's, we're all going to read this four verses together. Are you ready, church? It's going to come on the screen. There it is. 
Let's read it together. What does God know? Hold it. How dare he? Right? It's like, you know, when you try to correct your children. Ma, what do you know? You can't even install WhatsApp. Day, I taught you ABCD, da. Even before you could spell W-H-A-T-S-A-P-P, WhatsApp. I was there for you. I made you who you are into now. Children, we know when, when we try to correct them and, and, and they feel like that's suffering for them. And they're like, what do you know? What do you know? And here's Asaph. What does God know? They ask. Let's read together. Does the Most High even know? Oh my goodness, this is getting worse. First, what does God know? Does the Most High, it sounds like He acknowledges that He is the Most High God, even knows what's happening. He's omnipotent and omnipresent, but does He know what's happening? God, you are good all the time, but not in my life. What does God know? Let's, verse, verse 12, let's read together. Stay with me, okay? Let's read together. Don't, don't feel guilty. This is, you didn't write this. Somebody else wrote it. All right? Let's read. One, two, three, go. Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Verse 13. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Does that sound like us? I am pretty sure I did not write that psalm, but it feels like I wrote it. Every morning brings me pain. Every morning brings me pain. Here is Asaph looking at the wicked ways of others. Looking at the sin of others. Looking how they are living a lifestyle that is far from God. Sometimes you can look at some people and you think to yourself, my goodness, even if Jesus was alive today, he can't redeem them. We have judged them that way. Because it's so messy, it's so full of sin and discouragement. And then you look at the other side of their life, they are prospering also, they have money, they have riches. That's what Asaph is saying in verse 12, they are full of sin, but yet their riches are multiplying. So now he's looking at his own life. Verse 13, he says, did I... Keep my heart pure for nothing. For nothing. How many of you have ever felt that way? Especially if you've got relatives in your family who are still far from Jesus or who have not accepted Jesus and, and they are living a prosperous life and you go for family get-togethers and, and they come in new cars and they come and boast about how well the business is doing or how well their children are doing or how well you know their bank accounts are and they come and boast about those things and you here you are I live by faith and not by sight I will close my eyes and I will not talk to my relatives today I will <clears throat> you look at their prosperous life and also you look at their sinful life you look at the shortcuts that they take you look at the uh, you know bad language they speak and you look at the anger issues in their families you look at unforgiveness in their families and then you go there and then you ask yourself this question did i keep my heart pure for nothing lord they all seem to look so prosperous and doing well and happy clappy but here i am going through suffering 
but every sunday that pastor makes me sing i am a child of god full of faith i am a child of god but what good is it to be a child of god i know you would not dare say it out loud but you shall think it and the lord shall hear it we hear we we think about this and that's what asaph is saying did i keep myself innocent for no reason in other words why am i living trying so hard to live a righteous life and all those people who are living whatever they want to do and enjoying and having fun but i'm a christian i'm a child of god i'm a disciple of jesus and i restrict myself for so many things but yet verse 14 i get nothing but trouble all day long every morning brings me pain many people ask this question if god is loving why would he allow suffering if god is loving why would he allow suffering கடவுள் என்ன ரொம்ப நேசிக்கிறார்னா ஏன் என்ன ரொம்ப காயப்படுத்துறாரு இஃப் காட் இஸ் லவ்விங் வாய் இஸ் இ அலாவிங் சஃப்ரிங் கேன் வி ஆன்சர் திஸ் கொஸ்டின் ஃப்ரம் த பைபிள் டுடே அண்ட் ஆல்சோ கேன் வி திங்க் அபவுட் இட் எ லிட்டில் லாஜிக்லி டூ யூ ஃபீல் லவ்ட் பை பை பீப்புள் ஆல் த டைம் do you love everybody all the time is that a no for both okay so in other words can we say that love is a choice and not just a feeling yeah at least married people you can say this confidently the youth are like no pastor i feel you know the feeling you know pastor you're too old for that day how many youth sundays i've been to how many youth camps i've been to the purpose of going to youth camps feelings <laughs> so many feelings they be singing draw me close to you even you be draw me close to you I will never let you go. The pastor, hey, look at me and sing that. Pastor, I don't want to draw close to you. Draw close to Jesus, da. Love is a choice. Wherever there is a choice, logically speaking, there are many possibilities. Stay with me, right? there are so many possibilities and you choose out of those possibilities right you go out for shopping there are many options and you choose when you wake up in the morning you can choose to be loving you can also choose to be moody right you can make a choice so if love is a choice then suffering is a possibility if everyday love is a choice then suffering is a possibility that we cannot escape in other words it is possible for for us to be surrounded by suffering and pain every day as long as we live in this earth that is why jesus says as far as you live here on this earth you will face pain you will face suffering only way love is possible is to have a choice which means that each and every one of us are given a free will do you all understand what do i mean by free will what is a free will pastor whatever is free i like it pastor you continue the sermon what is free will our own choice basically free will is nothing but your mind that's what free will is your mind decides and your body 
reacts. Thank you, psychologist. Your mind decides and your body reacts. Beautiful girl. Mind decides she's beautiful. Your body follows. Today you were mommy calling. Did you buy that one liter milk? I am buying. There was a milk shop close to our house. No, no, I will buy in Tillenagar. It's okay. Dave, we live in KK Nagar, da. It's okay. The girl is from Tillenagar. Oh, sorry. You look at the mind. The mind decides. The body follows. It reacts. We make a choice. So every day in your life, you can either choose to live under the love of God and under the freedom of His word or choose suffering that will continue to inflict pain in our life. And when we choose evil, when we choose sin, sin will always lead us to pain and suffering. God is willing and God is ready to remove all evil and remove all suffering from our life. But He never removes the freedom of choice in our life. Our mind is always intact with us. If Christ lives in your mind... And even though if suffering is a possibility, you will not react like everybody else. You will react through God's word. Stay with me. I watched a video. This was like a year ago. A mother in Kerala, she has her dead son, who is probably, I think, just 17 years old. Went, uh, uh, he died because of a bike accident. And this mother standing in front of the corpse of her son. Hundreds of people gathered for the funeral. And there's this video that was going, I don't know if it was going live or if it was uploaded. She was holding the mic and she was preaching the gospel. The son is lying down like this. He's a dead corpse and he's, she's holding the hand of the son and she's preaching the way I raised this child is according to this verse. And this verse says this. Everybody came to console her. Everybody came to see her desperately rolling on the floor crying saying why God, why God, why God. And that's how a human is supposed to respond, right? But when your mind decides... That the depth of my love for Jesus and the depth of his love for my life is not going to be dictated by what I have and by what I lose. Then you react differently. And I saw this woman preaching. And I'm not saying it's wrong to cry for your own children. It is painful. It is hard. I have gone through praying. I have cried. I have standard funerals where young children, babies. I've been to funerals where babies have died. And I ask God, I don't want to ask this, but really God? Really? Like, come on, I know this couple. I know a couple that served with me in the church uh, when I was in the UK. And, and so faithful they are. After seven years, God gave them a child. Three years after the child was born, one morning I got, we got a phone call saying the child has got fever. Two hours later, we got a phone call saying by the time they took her to the hospital, she died. Seven years of faithful serving, faithful couple, faithfully waiting for the gift of a child and the child dies three years later and here I am standing on stage and they're carrying the baby bringing for the funeral and the father was was carrying in his hand and the choir started singing a song something to do with pain and suffering and hope and he stopped the choir and he said, can you please change the song? 
My wife and I have chosen a song that we would like to walk our baby down the aisle to the coffin box for the funeral service. And we have chosen a song. Can you please sing that? The pastor looked at me. I was the associate pastor then and he said, can you find out what song it is and can you lead the song? Because even my senior pastor was breaking down. So I asked, what song? And he goes, because he lives. Sing because he lives. Sing because he lives. I picked up the mic. I have never ever sung that song like that ever in my life. And never have I ever after that time. And we started singing as a church. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. All fear. And for that song, a father and a mother with a dead daughter who was three years old, who they received after seven years of prayer, walking with their head held up high, looking at Jesus. And I said to myself, if I could ever have faith, I want it like them. I want it like them. Mind is a strong thing. And it's much stronger when you allow the Holy Spirit to give you a perspective. It's much stronger when you start living God is good all the time not when he is good, when he also allows suffering in our life. It's easy to say now God is good all the time. Is it easy to sing because he lives I can face tomorrow when your own child is gone? What made them do that? The next Sunday morning, he's the one who comes and arranges that father. He's the one who comes and arranges the chair every Sunday morning, 7 a.m., one man sets up the breakfast, sets up the band, sets, does the sound. One guy does everything. And next Sunday morning, the pastor, we called him and said, hey, man, take a break. You know, it's all, we know what you're going through. So, okay, thank you, pastor. He put the phone down. Next Sunday morning, he was there in church. He was serving. He's welcoming people. Hey, can I get you a cup of coffee? And everybody's like, we don't know how to react to that. Because we have not seen somebody who can react differently to pain and suffering through the word of God. What if we, bunch of people who believes in Jesus and truly has a faith that is deeper than the things that is around us and we start to react differently to the suffering that is in our life, the gospel will look different to others. Hope will truly be theirs. Many people, we ask this question, if God is loving, why would he allow suffering? Let me ask this question, and this is a question that is asked rarely. If there is no God, who decides there is evil? Because many people come to this conclusion, God allowed suffering. If he's a good God, there should not be any suffering. Therefore, there is no God. Then if there is no God, then who decides there's evil? Who decides there's evil? Two siblings, they made a mistake. Mommy bought a beautiful glass, you know, flower vase and they broke it. They broke it together. It was both their mistake. But the eldest is running to the parents first saying, Hey, I'm going to tell that you did it. So he want to make sure that he goes first. And the youngest is trying to raise him down and make sure that mommy and daddy are there to hear him first so that he can say, it was not I, it was him. And both rushing to the parents and wanting to tell that it was not their fault. Why are they doing that? 
Because they have their parents as their moral standard in life. The parents decide when they have done good and when they have done bad. Right? The parents have set the morality. The parents correct them. They say, hey, when they're good, the parents appreciate them. When they're bad, it is the parents who tells them off first. That is how it works in children's life. What if those two children had no parents and they broke something? Will they run? Because there's nobody to care, right? Because there's nobody to care. Will they hide? They don't need to hide because there's nobody to ask questions. Do they have to feel guilty? No. If there is no God, but yet we have a moral conscience, there is no God, and yet you want answers for your moral conscience. You claim because of suffering, there is no God. God took this away from me. God did this to me. I don't believe in God anymore. I don't want to worship. I don't want to read the Bible. If there is no God, then why are you complaining about it? Because you know there is a moral conscience. And you know the moral conscience can only come from God. We say God is good because the only thing that he can be is good. He's not good because he did not choose to be bad. He's good because he can only be good, nothing else. So you know that there is something greater, something more powerful. Some call it God, some call it universe, some call it a great power. Some call it it's a loud noise. Through which everybody came. Whatever you want to call it. You know there has to be someone greater than you. For you to have a moral conscience that you have right now. And if you don't have that moral conscience. You don't have to feel guilty. But yet we feel guilty about something. You grow up and even if you're not living under your parents roof. Even if you're married. The first thing you think about is oh my goodness what would my mom say. What would my dad say? And more than that, you'll be like, oh man, what would God say? There's that sense of guilt there. There's a sense of moral conscience that our mind is obliged to. So suffering is not the evidence that it, God does not love us. Suffering is not the evidence that God does not love us. We think that, you know, God lacks love. Hence he allowed suffering. That is not true. That is not true. You go to a counselor. They take you back into your difficult past and ask you questions. Then they ask you, what do you want to do about it? You know why they take you back into that? And then they bring you out because they want to reason with you and tell you that there is something better coming after your suffering. They want to take you into a space where they say, yes, your pain is real, suffering is real, but you don't have to stay there because something better is coming. Parents, you discipline your child. It's not because you want to inflict pain or see them suffer because you know if you discipline them now, something better is coming. Hello? Are you with me? That's why you do that. You Now, your child might not think that way. Do you care about it? You don't because you are confident in what is coming. So you say, I shall discipline you now because if I don't raise you properly now, then I will have to raise your child. Hello? This is the truth. If you don't raise your children properly now, you will be parenting all over again with your grandchildren. 
because they will not take responsibility they know what they don't know what it means to be responsible they don't know what it means to live in faith they don't know what it means to depend on depend on god if you always going to give them a cozy cuddly i will be the loving father loving mother you don't have to worry about anything mommy is here for you daddy is here for you let me feed you how old are you oh don't bite me i am 19 years old mama he will bite you when you feed him can you tuck in your teeth when i'm feeding you huh? i am a serving parent you will be serving forever my love you will serve your child and you will also serve your child's child because your child is not going anywhere because you are always there for him the bible says teach them in the ways of god give them faith don't copy paste pray because i am praying no for about 14 years of my life my parents taught me a beautiful prayer that i say when i go to school that i say before i eat a meal regardless of who or who or what i have done that prayer is so stuck in my head it's like a tap that you open water comes immediately that prayer comes and i just pray and even if i'm not connected to that prayer in my heart i just pray they did best what they could do because their parents did not teach a prayer to them so my parents taught a prayer to me but now what i am doing is i don't teach a prayer to my daughter zion anymore <gasps> what a pastor you are you being a pastor you don't teach prayer for your own child yes i don't i have taught her to pray by saying that you can speak to jesus how you feel every day so i have not taught her a ready made prayer that she says to school every day because regardless of what she is feeling she's just going to say that and i'm going to feel happy because she memorized the prayer that i taught and she's repeating it back to me and i am clapping <laughs> who's the god of zion sam many of us we play god in our children's life and you are so happy about it oh i'm doing great no you're not Ah is it hot in here Where am I in the notes it's not even there in the notes I think it's the holy spirit It's true And we need to stop doing that 2 days ago I asked Zain to pray And she started praying And she prays what she feels and every day i get to know where she's at with god through her prayer because i didn't teach her any prayer so that day she was praying jesus thank you for my teachers i never taught her that all i said you need to be thankful i have never ever prayed that prayer in my life jesus thank you for my teachers <laughs> raglan have you Jesus why lord why is me right why not chicken today in the hostel she said jesus thank you for the teachers thank you for my friends help me not to eat spicy food today and only healthy food now she hates spicy food and she's praying to god help me not to eat spicy food and as she was praying i opened the third lunch box i was like oh my goodness samba today god remove the spice from this but whatever that she is feeling that morning she prayed and i get to know what and who she is through her prayers you know god gets to know you through your prayers don't perform to god don't perform to god 
You can be real. You can be real. You're going through suffering, I know. You're going through pain, I know. You might be sitting here and wondering, when will this sermon end? I know. Very soon. Something better is coming. Many people ask this question, why do bad things happen to good people? Can you show me good people? Who told you that we are all good people? On the surface, we might be good people. But on the inside, we were all sinners. The only person in history who can ever ask that question is Jesus. Think about it. He's the only person who died sinless, born without sin, died without sin, suffered for no reason, carried pain because of our mess, and he's the only person who can ask that question, why does bad things happen to a good person? Who can ask that question? Who cannot ask that question? We are all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Pastor, in average, I am good, no? Just average, Pastor. Naveen Richard almost spoke on the same thing when he was speaking to the young people. And he used a particular analogy, I forgot, but he said like, you know, you go to a judge and you have done a murder and you're standing there for you to be sentenced for what you have done and the evidence proves that you have done it. And you can't go there in front of the judge and say, Judge, come on now, this is my first one. I have never done it before. See, for the past 35 years of my life, in average, I've been good. But that moment you were not. Turn to the person next to you, look at them and tell them, everybody has their day. Everybody has their moments. It's not right for us to even say that. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because only Jesus can say that. Because he suffered. He surrendered his glory in heaven. He was born into poverty here on earth. He was mocked as a child. And even he was rejected by families. He was abandoned by his friends. He was falsely accused. He was wrongly imprisoned. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was stripped naked. He hung shamefully on the cross. He went through the worst of the worst. He became sin so that we don't have to carry sin. He took pain and suffering so that we don't have to carry that. He was separated from his father. And Matthew 27, 46, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? In other words, Jesus is saying, why did this happen to a good man like me? And the answer is, he, he was a good man and he is a good man. He is the righteous God. But he took the place of you and I. He took the place of the unrighteous. Hence that happened. Why does God allow suffering? It's not because he lacks love for you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his own and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Can the worship band join with me on stage? And I'm going to bring this to a close. Revelations chapter 21 verse 4 it says, If he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or cry or pain, all these things are gone forever. There is a day coming in your life 
when there will be no pain and when there will be no suffering and on that day you will be meeting jesus face to face if you experience no pain and no suffering it means that you are in heaven it means you are in heaven it means you are with jesus as long as we are here on earth we will go through this but let me tell you why does god allow it the reason why god allows this is because there is something better coming in your life everybody say something better is coming in my life something better is coming in my life no more loss no more sickness no more shame no more death no more grief no more depression no more abuse no more crying no more pain because you live under the cross if you can look at your suffering and the pain under the light of eternity what you're facing right now is much lighter than the weight of the cross if you can look at your past and your pain under the light of eternity what you're going to experience in the future with god and when you see it under the foot of the cross it's lighter it's lighter gee many times we say god it's not fair it's not good over a lifetime you've been walking with god but you have seen a lot of pain but god has not stopped being good to you he has not stopped being good to you he's not stopped being good to you you know asaf asked does god even know what is happening i mean does he have a clue does he hear my prayer does he see my tears does he know what i'm going through Am I keeping a pure heart for nothing? Am I serving Jesus for nothing? Am I giving to God for nothing? Am I coming to church every Sunday for nothing? Are we having family prayers for nothing? Am I disciplining my child for nothing? All it brings me trouble and pain. But in verse 16 and 17 This is what Asaph, the same guy who questions God, he says this When I can we all read this together so I try to understand and why the wicked prosper but what a difficult task it is I don't have answer why God took your mother away I don't have an answer for that I don't have an answer why your husband left you or why your wife left you I don't have an answer why you lost something when it was even before time i don't have an answer for a lot of things and it's really difficult to answer those questions why i don't have an answer why you lost your baby even before the baby was born i don't have an answer i don't have an answer i don't have an answer i'm just a human and so is everybody else my friends so does everybody else so is everybody else it's difficult task to live under those questions every day in your life it's a very hard place to be if you're going to keep yourself under that question can i urge you towards a place like asaph did in verse 17 he says then i went into your sanctuary oh god and i finally understood the destiny of the wicked when you live under the questions of why 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 and as you are standing under those questions of why 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 and you might think that you are in a posture of i don't want to look at god i don't want to pray to god 
I don't feel like worshiping because my why is not yet answered. I don't feel like reading the Bible because my why is not yet answered. I don't feel like, you know, stepping out because my why is not answered. But while you're still living under that why, you know what God is doing? God is putting his hands out and he's saying just come to me just come to me just come to me as you're standing under your wise it's okay just hold my hand you you keep you keep you keep asking why that's okay but here I am I'm putting my hands out to you as you're asking why you might say like you know I, I mean again I can only give live examples from my life stay there stay there live examples from my life because every time i discipline zion she thinks i'm mad at her and i've stopped loving her have you ever felt that your kid does not love you and i know as she grows it's only going to get worse one day she's going to i hate you daddy she's going to say that i hate you mom you're not supposed to do this to me they will say that and many times we do this to god in our heart and whenever whenever she has an attitude zion when she has an attitude and i come to her like come on zion it's daddy come on you know why i corrected you and she's like hmm. i don't like you anymore don't touch me don't touch me And I know you are in that phase in your life right now maybe some of you you are in that phase because you've gone through a big deal of suffering and big deal of pain and you are in that phase with God right now where like mm, I don't like you anymore I don't want to pray to you anymore I don't want to read the I don't want to I don't want to do anything anymore I need time don't touch me Now will I, as a father will I walk away will I walk away Hey, come on come here it's okay come on i'm your father is it okay to love you yeah you will you come back to church next sunday yeah do you love me hey he said yes cuz i know because he's my she's my daughter she can be as stubborn as she wants to be but i'm going to keep holding her tight so with your wise You can be as stubborn as you want to be. But you have a God who is not letting you go. Hello? You have a God who is not letting you go because of your suffering and your pain. He's not letting you go. He's like, "Come on. I know I know it hurts, but what is coming after this is so much better. Come on, let's do this together. We can do this together. We can do this together." And he says then when I went into your sanctuary oh God I finally understood the more and more God is saying come on Zion it's all right you can do better because what is coming next is going to be fine you can do better and as she understands my love the one who was like this will slowly turn halfway then a little bit more and then she'll jump on my lap and say i love you daddy thank you a child cannot be mad at her own father forever so if you consider your god as your father I know you're mad. I know you have your why. But he's not left you. And if you are his child, you can't be mad at him forever. Because he did not let you go. He did not let you go. When your father left you, he did not let you go. When your mother left you, he did not let you go. When you had uncertain days he did not let you go. When you had nothing he did not let you go. When you were in the 
pit of your life and nobody knew and you wanted you end your life and you were even ashamed you thought about it even he was there in that moment holding you saying my child i am here just hold my hand today god is inviting you and reminding you can you step into his sanctuary can you step into his presence because in his presence you will find answers in his presence you will understand i can't make it understand if you look at it through the world through the perspective of of the world you cannot understand but if you lean on jesus and you hear his heartbeat you hear his voice it will make sense to you and that's all i'm saying today can you go into his presence shall we all stand thank you for listening to our sermon today with us hope that it was a blessing for you as well as your family and if you would like to support our ministry you can do so by visiting kingcitychurch.org/give and we will meet you with another inspiring sermon next week god bless you